On episode 512 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Philip Shepard and Andre Yakovinko and discuss their book, Deep Fitness, the mindful, science-based strength training method to transform your well-being in 30 minutes a week. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 512. Have you decided you're ready to make a change? To reclaim your health and fitness. The 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. I'm your host, Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with a specialization in corrective exercise and fitness nutrition. Let me be your coach as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. This episode of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is sponsored by Organifi. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant-based nutrition made with high-quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic, free of fillers, and contain less than 3 grams of sugar per serving. They won't take you out of ketosis if that's your way of eating. Your body is an amazing organic machine. The food we eat and drink is information for that machine. This includes adaptogens. These are compounds that balance hormones and help you deal with stress in a healthier way. If you're feeling tired, these compounds will give you a boost of energy. If you're stressed, they'll help you return to a natural state of calm. They literally help you adapt to the stress of life. This is why I'm a big fan of Organifi Green Juice with essential superfoods and a clinical dose of ashwagandha. It helps reduce stress and support healthy cortisol levels. It mixes well with water or your beverage of choice, and it tastes awesome. This has become my go-to morning ritual. Organifi offers the best-tasting, high-quality superfood beverages without breaking the bank. Each serving costs less than $3. Easy, convenient, and cost-effective. Go to www.organifi.com forward slash 40 plus and use the coupon code 40 plus for 20% off your order. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash 40-P-L-U-S and use the code 40 plus for 20% off of any item. The month of November seems to be flying by, doesn't it? In fact, my wife just ordered our turkey for Thanksgiving. We're having a celebration with some friends here in Bocas. Of course, it's going to be a big party with lots of food I really shouldn't eat and lots of beers I really shouldn't drink if I want to stay on track with my training. Now, we could just chalk it up to a thing. You know, most people do put on weight this time of year, so it's no big deal, right? We'll just make it up with our New Year's resolutions, right? But we know those don't work out all that well either. So what are we to do? I'm launching the Crush the Holidays Challenge. This five-week challenge starts November 20th, so there's still time to get in. Now, during this challenge, each day, I'm going to provide you with a short video that's meant to encourage you, to teach you a new skill, and to get you in the right mindset. So you've got it. Crush the Holidays. There's also a special private Facebook group, so you'll have lots of like-minded people to keep you and your health and fitness top of mind. And you have me, Coach Allen, to keep you accountable and to cheer you on. I'm also giving away prizes. There's 40 plus fitness swag, Amazon gift cards, some of my favorite health and fitness books, and one challenger will win a free access to my new six-week program that's launching in January. Join the Crush the Holidays challenge at crushtheholidays.com. You don't have to lose momentum or worse, lose ground during the holidays. 
Commit to crushing them at crushtheholidays.com. Hey, Raz, how are things going? Good. How are you today, Alan? I'm doing all right. I imagine Michigan's starting to get a little bit cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. In fact, we have snow in the forecast, so just flurries. Yeah. But yeah, it's about to get real cold. Yeah, we we we've we've been really hot here. I mean, the really? temperature here has been has been pretty warm uh, and dry. We just got rain today and, and some wind and rain. The wind came in last night and felt really nice because, you know, when, when it's warmer and it's windy, it doesn't quite feel as bad because uh, the wind kind of gives you a kind of a cooling coming off the water particularly. Uh, and then today is rainy, which is good. Um, you know, island that survives on the water that we catch. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of important to catch some. Yes. <laughs> and it's kind of important <laughs> to have some to catch. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a little bit of rain. Uh, and then this is, uh, as we're recording this, we're going into the holiday season here in Panama. So Panama has a uh, independence from uh, Spain, okay. independence from Colombia, and then independence from the United States. Oh my. And all of those holidays happen in November. So uh, oh. the first week of November is just sort of like a, just a big holiday week. And, you know, people like to travel and do the things inside. So, you know, tourism's picking up, people are coming. So Lula's is starting to, to get busy and go. And it was kind of funny because we were sitting there and we got, we started getting Lula's on Airbnb. And so Tammy sets it up and we're, we're supposed to the next day talk to our service provider that actually lets our booking engine talk to Airbnb. Mm -hmm. So at this point in time, she's just set it up and we get our first reservation. Wow, <laughs> 10 minutes, cow. just 10 minutes. And there's someone oh hits us up goodness. for a reservation. Yeah. And, and so we go on there. I'm like, okay, well, go, run, run, go mark this off on the booking engine because they're not talking yet. We don't want someone to double book. So we, but we managed to get through that and, and figure that out and then uh, figure out how, when PayPal gets money, how to get PayPal to pay us. I think we've done that mm -hmm. anyway, that we're, we're, we're still ironing out like things as we're just getting things going, but um, wow. things are starting to heat up here and it's, it's good and keeping Tammy Great. on her toes. In fact, right now, <laughs> as we're talking, she's at the airport picking up some guests that are flying in today. Oh, neat. That sounds wonderful. How yeah. exciting. Yeah. Well, how are things up there? Oh, really good. Um, like I mentioned, the fall is in full swing. We're in peak color right now. So the colors in our area are just beautiful. And over the weekend, Mike and I ran our Cal Haven ultra marathon and it's a 33 and a half. Actually, it's 34 miles. On the Calhaven Trail, we run from Kalamazoo to South Haven in Michigan, and it's a rails to trails uh, pathway. And the entire run, the girl I was running with and I, we were just remarking at how gorgeous the colors are. The golds from the oaks and the reds and the maples, and it was just spectacular. It was just such a wonderful day. We all had a good run, so it was a good. lot of fun. So mm -hmm. Mike finished. He did. He yeah. and the guy he ran with, they're much faster and they finished in five hours and 29 minutes. That's and outstanding. They, oh, it is. And they each secured first place in their respective age groups. So they did fantastic. And okay. Liz and I finished just over seven hours, seven hours and two minutes. And we each, we tied in our age group. <laughs> we tied for second. So, <laughs> yeah. So it was a really good day. And like I said, the fall weather was perfect. We didn't have any rain and we didn't have any blazing sun. So we couldn't have asked for better weather, 
better weather conditions. Yeah, it was beautiful. Good way to close out your season. Absolutely. Yep. So now you're going to be lifting some weights. Yes, I am. Which is a good time for us to be talking about deep fitness. Wonderful. It sounds great. Philip Shepard is recognized as a leader in the global embodiment movement. He is the creator of the Embodiment Present Process, TEPP, a modality that uniquely combines the two resources necessary for embodiment, effective practices, and a deep understanding of our culture's blind spots, which tend to keep us in our heads. TEP is based on Shepard's two books, Radical Wholeness and New Self, New World, and his 40 years of experience teaching embodiment techniques. Andre Yakovinko is the founder of New Element Training and the creator of the Net Method Training, he, it, which took him years of practical experience and multidisciplinary exploration of various scientific fields to develop. The book we're going to discuss today is called Deep Fitness, which blends the mindfulness with the Net Method to take your strength training to another level, and it's safe for everybody. With no further ado, here is Philip and Andre. Philip, Andre, welcome to 40 Plus Fitness. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Alan. Yeah. Thanks, Alan. Nice to now, meet you. Now, I've had Dr. McGuff on, and I've, I've, <laughs> I've had John Little on, oh, and similar perfect. messaging, and because you guys are coming from a very uh, solid foundation of science-based uh, resistance training. And, you know, when I saw the um, forward of the book the, by Dr. McGuff, and he gave you such a glowing review, I got really excited to read this book. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad I did. So the name of the book we're talking about is Deep Fitness, the mindful science-based strength training method to transform your well-being in just 30 minutes per week. And that's a big, big promise. Uh, but I think, you know, you deliver. The, the book is phenomenal. The science is sound. And uh, you do a really good job of explaining some things and uh, you know, every once in a while you get this kind of this aha moment of, well, of course, that's how it works. Um, you know, it's just it's it, there's a lot of that in the book. And um, it's a book that I, I'm definitely going to have as a reference that I'll go back to time and time again, uh, because even someone who's been doing this for, for years, uh, there was just a lot in there for even for me to absorb. But it was done well. It was written well. So I appreciate the opportunity to have you on the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here with you, Alan. All right. So, you know, one of the things that kind of hit me, and you put this right in the beginning of the book, which is what most of us do, is a why do I want to do this? And you say fitness starts with muscle. And initially when I was reading that, I was like, okay, yeah, there's then they're on one side. And I've talked to people who are on the, you know, on the other side of this conversation with the aerobics and the cardio and and all that. So I was like, okay, as we started getting into it, and it was just something really simple initially that kind of clicked with me, but I want to go a little deeper afterwards, but you said all these chronic diseases we have, many of them are caused because we're losing muscle. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty big revelation. This uh, guy in, in the 80s, there was a, a really powerful renewal of interest in aging and a, a massive study had laid out in gruesome detail what happens to us as we age it's like it's like everything you take for granted in your youth starts to corrode so so they they came together in a conference and trying to figure out 
A, um, what was causing it, and B, if you could begin to reverse it. And this guy was sitting with all these papers because he'd, he'd volunteered to uh, write a report on the conference. And what he realized was that every single condition that people were talking about was associated with a loss of muscle mass. And this didn't even have a word at the time, so he coined this word sarcopenia. Sarcopenia just means the wasting of muscle with age. And it's there's, there's an inevitability about it. I mean, you're just not as strong. You can't sprint as fast at 90 as you could at 25. But my gosh, in our culture, that loss is, is drastically accelerated. And what happened, you know, as they began to look into sarcopenia, and it, it slowly gained prominence in the fields of, of research, they realized that sarcopenia was associated with every single major chronic disease of civilization. These, these are diseases that are rare in hunter-gatherer cultures and prominent for ours. So suddenly the role of muscle in our health was, was coming into a new light. Yeah, I think one of the things you put in the book, which, like I said, it was kind of a, one of those wonderful light bulb moments, and there's many, many of those in this book, was that you know, we store sugar we eat in our muscles and our liver. And if we have less muscle, we have less storage capacity for that glycogen, which means our bodies have to store it as fat. And so when we start talking about, you know, the things like having prediabetes and diabetes, the cause might not just be what we're eating, because what we were eating was probably fine for us. It was the fact that we've lost so much muscle mass, we just don't have the storage capacity for it anymore, and that's causing us the problems. Yeah, and that would lead to increase in inflammation when we store body fat around the organs that will also start producing those cytokines uh, and, and so on. It, you know, just uh, we create havoc for our body if we cannot store the glycogen where it's supposed to go in the muscle or replenishing the liver storage. Yeah, makes total sense. And the other, the other, and then you, sorry, Alan, I was just going to say the other side of that is, is glycogen is stored in the muscles. Well, a lot of it is stored in the large muscles, what in the book we call uh, the powerhouse muscles or the, the fast twitch muscles. And, and that glycogen is only depleted with intense exercise. So with intense exercise, you can, you can basically empty the, the muscles, or not empty them, but deplete them of the glycogen, so then the storage space becomes available again. And we're starting to get to a point where we're understanding more and more how different things in our body are communicating with each other. You almost want to think that our muscles are separate from our fat, which is separate from our brain, which is separate from our microbiome. Uh, but the reality is all of these things actually communicate together. They're all endocrine releasing. And one of the things you brought up in the book was mitokines. Could you dive a little bit into mitokines and why they're so important? Yeah, for, for years, researchers understood that exercise had this global effect on the body. It, it, it affected every organ, every tissue, and promoted health. And why? Like, they didn't know why. And then in the early 2000s, they discovered these endocrine um, messenger molecules called myokines. 
And they began to research them, and they found over 600 different kinds of myokines that are released when muscle works. And the more intensely a muscle contracts, and the stronger the muscle is, the more myokines are released. And they, they promote health in every system of the body. I mean, they promote mental acuity. They, they promote bone mineral density. They decrease inflammation. It goes on and on and on. So, so the myokines have, have uh, sort of been dubbed the X factor, the, the unknown factor in exercise that resulted in such positive effects. And so to get the muscles to do that, we now have, which you're bringing forward, Mindful Strength Training to Failure, or MSTF. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and why that's so important? Yeah, I mean, there's several aspects to our mindful strength training to failure. The mindful part is important because that means you're bringing the whole of the body. It's, it's difficult to describe because we tend to sit in our heads and tell the body what to do, the way you'd sit on a donkey and beat it to go harder. So, so what we're proposing is a, is a mindful approach that is made possible by a very slow movement. So, for example, if you're on a weight machine, you would lift the weight very, very slowly and let it down very, very slowly. And you continue to do that until you hit the point of momentary muscle failure. And that can take one and a half or two minutes. I mean, it, it happens quickly. And then you move on to the next exercise. So, so within a half hour, you can bring all the major muscles of your body to failure. And you can do one session a week and see improvements. And, and you really should be cautious in doing more than two sessions a week because once you've taken a muscle group to failure, it, it, it takes time to recover. You need 72 hours. And if you don't allow the muscle to remodel, you undermine its effects in, in strengthening. And, you know, it, it's, it, it just simplifies everything when you, when you go into this mindful space and you're present to this weight and you you take it to failure and it is i mean it is a it is a joy you know this form of of training the high intensity training is known to be a form of suffering and with mstf we're we're really emphasizing that as you bring a mindful quality to it 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 holds a joy it holds an aliveness that you may not encounter in the rest of your week as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know this is this is very deep in science backing. I mean, you guys spent a lot of time thinking about the whys, and this is not something that you've just done yourself. This is something that over the course of now, I guess, decades, uh, have been coming to fruition, and and now you guys are kind of putting it into a process that's very easy to follow. Uh, it takes less time than the standard, if you were going to talk about doing normal resistance training, I think most of us that would go in the gym and do, you know, the standard three sets of 10 or whatever of X number of exercises and try to get a whole body workout and then try to do that every third or fourth time, because maybe we didn't actually stress ourselves that much. So we're doing four or five, maybe six workouts per week. 
Here, we're condensing it. We're a lot more mindful about the work we're doing. We're slowing way down. And so you've taken all these, all this science and you've now broken it. We, we have six principles that are rolled up into this model that all are really valuable. Uh, as I went through, I was like, you can't, you can't not have that one. You can't not have this one. So they're all really important. Could you go through those six principles? Because I think they're really important for someone to understand why this way of training is optimal. Well, I think they're more like a steps of um, getting through your workout. Because ultimately, when you're talking about the actual training principles, uh, you can synthesize it to around four. But speaking of you know how we describe them uh, in the book, uh, we work on them in steps. And for instance, you know, step one, just get ready. I mean, you just get prepared. Like you know, understand what you're about to do. If you do it on your own with your partner, have a game plan. Which machine, which sequence you're gonna do them? Uh, have your stopwatch ready, your water bottle ready? You know, get in that right mindset for uh, what you're about to do. Because, you know, like you, you're working out, if you're thinking of something else, you're jumping, you, you don't have that kind of focus. Uh, it could be distracting and you won't get quite the same workout. And this style of training, it's not kind of training where you do well, you know, chit-chatting and watching TV, like it requires that mindfulness presence and that um, focus of, uh, you know, what you're about to experience. So that's kind of the first step. It just, you know, get ready, have a clear roadmap of how your next 30 minutes is going to look like. And then we're just going through those steps. You know, step two is, you know, um, becoming present. And, you know, this is where Philip is an expert in. Maybe he can clarify on step two. I'd be happy to, to talk to step two. Um, you know, you've got, a, you've got a stopwatch with you because what matters in MSTF isn't the number of reps. That is irrelevant. What matters is what we call time under load, how long you go. And you'll notice as you do it, you're going longer and longer. And, and you know, before you begin pressing against the resistance, it's so important to drop down into your body and feel what you're feeling. I mean, we're, we're trying to guide people away from the conventional approach you know i'm gonna do this thing okay here i'm i'm ready this is this is very very different this isn't a top-down mode of of making the body do what's good for it for its own sake this is a matter of joining the body in its intelligence and my gosh once you tap into that the resources that are available to you will take you to failure in a way that that badgering of the, the the voice in the head can't do because it falls into storytelling. You know, oh, just maybe one more. Oh, I think I'm there now. Oh, oh I, I got to stop. All that chit-chat goes away when you drop down into the body and you're just in the moment feeling what is happening and tapping more and more deeply into your resources. And Andre, why don't you take us into step three? Uh, I guess the, the third step is, uh, we describe it as muscle first, movement second. So I'll give you a little bit of history because uh, around that principle, you know, we've been doing it for, what, eight years now. We have a couple of studios here in, in Toronto, downtown Toronto. And when I first opened this place, New Element Training, you know, I thought everybody would be just like me. 
and you know quickly realized that's not the case and you know working with people of all demographics all age groups all different mental uh, neurological abilities quickly learned that not everybody is you know able to do this training how we kind of you know Doug McGuff and John Little describing body by science. There are many, many nuances to it. And one of them was some people would, I would train them for months and they would still tell them, feel the lats. And for example, doing a seated row exercise and tell me like, where are the lats? And it's kind of embarrassing because, you know, here's this client, I've been, I had this client for a few months and, you know, he still doesn't know how to feel the lats. And at some point, you know, you can only repeat those cues so much and then you move on, right? Um, and then actually from when I took one of the Phillips workshops, he mentioned this experiment done in an area of uh, neuroscience, in the area of brain plasticity, where the quality of paying attention um, makes a neurological kind of difference and rewiring in your brain. And that's, you know, he was using this example uh, from the brain plasticity in his work. And when I was listening to it, I realized this is why people struggle feeling those muscles. So I asked Philip which book he came, you know, I read the book. And so the experiment is basically the book is called Brain That Changes Itself, written by Norman Deutsch. And um, there is, a, I think it's the first chapter about the subject of brain plasticity. And there's this guy from the States, I think he's retired now. Uh, he changed the, I guess, the idea of neuroscience before his time, you know, neuroscience So the brain is sort of soft when we're younger and then it kind of hardwires at older age, cannot really wire itself anymore. So he challenged that the whole paradigm and she showed that the brain is still soft and plastic at any age. It might not be as soft as plastic as when you're children, but it's still soft. So one of the experiments they talked there that kind of was a light bulb for me when I heard it from Philip and then read about it, they asked monkey to move index, index finger. They look at the brain and they saw search a neurological map turning on. Then asking ask monkey to move middle finger, basically next body part, next finger. And another neurological map turned on. They called them topographical brain maps uh, because typically if two body parts are near each other in the brain, those neurological maps will neighbor each other as well. So what they did in the experiment, they tied these two fingers together for a few months. So monkey can only move two fingers together, cannot separate those two fingers. After several months, when they look at the brain, they discovered those individual maps disappeared. Instead, monkey developed one large map. They called it competitive plasticity. Uh, basically something that you fire together, you're gonna wire together. And what's gonna happen, something that you master day in, day out, is quite literally what appears gonna grow in real estate, is gonna take over the real estate of the adjusting maps that you don't use anymore. And then it occurred to me, you know, we sit certain way, we move certain way, we have these desk jobs. We don't feel the back anymore. Day in, day out, month, year after year, your brain will adjust to your current lifestyle. You know, we have injuries. And I realized it's not, because before I was just was focusing on the muscle, then I realized it was not the muscle. We have to start with the brain. We have to start with rebuilding those neurological brain maps, those topographical maps to strengthen the signal into the muscle before everyone can focus on the muscle. If you cannot send a potent signal, how can even you know, isolate and target that muscle? So that kind of shifted my approach in the way uh, I started cueing people. And I put this principle 
on top of our list and realizing that some people, and it's clearly observable with age-related phenomenon. You know, if I take a client in their 20s, everybody pretty much, almost 10 out of 10, will get the cue, will get the right muscle, feel the right muscle. With age, typically the oldest, older somebody gets, some people have harder and harder time, particularly those people who are new to strength training. And so by feeling the right muscle and by moving it mindfully slow, by just feeling it, what happens, again, learning from the science of uh, neuroplasticity, brain neuroplasticity, we know that one of the fastest way to create a, a new memory pattern in the brain is by paying close attention to a task. When we pay close attention to a task, our brain activates uh, its close nucleus basalis. It's a part in the brain, the base of the brain. And what that does, it starts producing this very potent so-called modulatory neurotransmitter called acetylcholine. And when we have higher level of acetylcholine from paying attention to a task, the brain becomes soft and plastic. It's going to create those synaptic connections much faster rather than, you know, just mindlessly moving the weight up and down. So this quality of paying close attention to the mark could be if you cannot feel the last. I just tell people, just do static call, just feel it. I won't give you the normal cues until you can feel those right muscles, right? And after a few months, so many clients would, have, would come to me and tell me, I feel muscles I didn't know where I had, right? So I, I, now it's, it's actually working. Uh, so that's what that step is, is when you train, Number one error, when I ask my more experienced trainers, I observe it myself, and I ask them, what do we think, what do we see here as a mistake in how people exercise? Number one, what we see is people prioritize the movement over targeting the right muscle. And what happens, you're going to strengthen those existing maps, and if they're not perfect to begin with, the targeted muscles you try to reach, they're going to remain unstimulated. But at the same time, you're going to strengthen the other parts in your body. And that leads to more imbalance down the road. And also, you don't really get the job done because you're not targeting and stimulating the right muscles around the body. So the way we explain it here and also explain in the book is make sure you're feeling the right muscles and the joint and experience that movement, experience those muscles, and make the movement sort of happen as a byproduct, as a result of that, rather than making about the movement, if it makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. This episode of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is sponsored by Organifi. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant-based nutrition made with high-quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic, free of fillers, and contain less than 3 grams of sugar per serving. In our 24-7 always-on world, going without sleep seems to carry a badge of honor, but that's not how your body sees it. Sleep is when all the wonderful things happen inside your body. Hormones reset, and the healing and restoration happens. You know how much better you feel when you have a good night's sleep, Getting good sleep is a priority for me. That's why I'm a big fan of Organifi Gold Juice. With ingredients like turmeric, reishi mushroom, and ginger, it's designed to support rest, relaxation, recovery, and repair. It's a delicious and nutritious warm golden tea. I use water, but you can also use milk or a milk alternative. This has become a part of my evening wind down. 
Organifi offers the best tasting, high quality superfood beverages without breaking the bank. Each serving costs less than $3 per day. Easy, convenient, and cost effective. Go to www.organifi.com forward slash 40 plus and use the code 40 plus for 20% off your order. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash 40PLUS and use the code 40 plus for 20% off of any item. So, and I think we're going then to uh, step four, which is, you know, something, uh, it's about the breath and, you know, Philip is an expert in it, so he's going to elaborate on that. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the, the breath in our culture, we have a very um, unsettled relationship with the breath. We tend to hold it. I mean, you hold the breath when there's something you'd rather not feel or, or there's something you have to do and you, and you don't want to be confused by all the sensations that the breath evokes because to release the body to the breath is to precipitate an avalanche of sensations. And the whole of the body can release to the breath. Uh, you know, there's a, you, can, you can measure the breath wave, the effect of the breath, traveling down through the legs and traveling up through the torso. Um, so how to not only allow the breath to continue without being interrupted, without being held, because, you know, especially under pressure as you're holding the breath, it, it puts a huge amount of pressure on the, the internal organs. And then you find not only, you know, can you breathe continuously through the movement, but as the breath is released deeper and deeper from within the body, you are impelling the movement with the breath itself. That may sound that may sound strange, but it's as though it's as though the the energy of the breath is moving the weight rather than you know trying to to, to isolate the mechanics of it. So what's happening is the body as a whole is gathering behind this task and all of the body is contributing to whatever the movement might be by allowing the breath to be resourced from deep within the body and mindful strength training to failure of course what do we mean by failure that's that's step five and i'm sure andre could clarify that for us um you know and um while we can, while we're younger, have the ability, you know, it's such a gift to be able to exercise and be able to bring those muscles to failure. You know, at some stage, as we get older, we have injuries, um, perhaps people develop, you know, various cognitive impairment. They don't have the same, you know, ability to bring the muscle to failure. But while we can, it's um, the adaptation you get from, you know, reaching failure, not just in, in, increasing in strength, which is, you know, that's simple to understand. Take your muscle to full existing capacity and then some, and then let your body time uh, to recover, adapt, and repeat. And each time you bring it to failure, you're going to progressively do more and more and more, assuming, you know, from week to week, you're going to get stronger and stronger. But, you know, as well, you know, I don't know exactly, but... I would guess 80, 90% of 
the benefits you get from this training is from those last 15, 30 seconds when you're approaching failure, when you're tapping into that fight and flight sympathetic nervous system, the body starts producing adrenaline. By the way, that also will raise your acetylcholine in the brain because now your body is, body is like primed. It's, it's an emergency. It makes you pay attention. You have to deal with it. So there are so many adaptations happen when you bring muscle to failure versus when you don't. We, in the book, talk about this experiment. Do you remember the name of that protein, Philip, that they showed this in animal studies when the exercise producing adrenaline? I don't remember the name of it, but I sure remember the... the, the yeah the uh research yeah, it was it was some letters yes and it, i think it ended with a two it started yeah. with a c yeah, and ended exactly. with a two yeah. that's it <laughs> so that study showed that this in animals that when you produce adrenaline during exercise there are certain epidemi- uh, um sorry there's certain epigenetic triggers that happen that otherwise would not happen so they are modified this one group of mice that they have higher level of that protein and the control group which at normal level both groups did exactly the same amount of exercise. I think they ran on the treadmill for two weeks. But the adaptations were significantly different. The group that had more of that protein, they increased in, in uh, endurance by 103% versus control group only like 8.5%. They had more muscle tissue, less intramuscular fat, and so on and so forth. So even though they exercised the same amount, but that was one of the examples that showed and it's also true for humans that the adaptation happened on a completely different level when you have more of that protein, which the body would activate uh, in that you know fight and flight uh, event. And so this is what MSTF really is all about. You only have to do one set. And by the way, I learned about it from Doug McGuffin, John Little's book, Classic Body by Science. That's all it started for me. I used to go to gym like everybody else, you know, compound movements, you know, deadlifts, you know, all that stuff, squats. I kind of was okay. I had lots of uh, aches in my joints, but I thought, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> That's just how it's done. Just come with it. And after I read their classic book, Body by Science, this is the last time I exercised conventionally and it just um, fell in love with it. I like, after I've do, been doing it for a year, all the aches and pains went away. You know, we did it, I first tried it at my old work with some uh, colleagues and I've seen changes in one guy who never really exercised properly in his life, but now he had shoulders, chest, triceps, six pack. So after, and we did it only once a week of this style of training. So all the aches and pains disappeared. It works. Then it occurred to me, this is such a amazing form to take care of the body that I need to do something with it. That kind of was why I decided to open neural main training and this is why people come to us like we that's what we do you know we follow the other principles but bringing muscle to momentary muscle failure is the the foundation of this training and yeah we move on and i might uh, i might speak to the last of those uh of those principles or steps which is is that mstf is best understood as a lifelong practice. There is like there's no age at which um, muscle strength isn't an asset. There's no age at which this um, protocol is unsafe either. Uh, you know the the slow movement of the weight was was really developed for people with osteoporosis. 
who were in danger of injury and they thought, well, let's try moving it very slowly and see if they can do that. And not only did they not suffer injury as a result, they got stronger faster than had been expected. And so the, you know, the safety of it, I, I'm, I'm 68. And, you know, when, when I met Andre, I'd sort of internalized despite myself you know, you're at a certain age, better, you know, better not be too intense, just kind of back off a bit. And I, you know, I discovered this workout through Andre, and I, I go to more intensity with the workout more safely than I've ever gone in my life. And one of the consequences of this, one of the reasons that, that you're encouraged to do it for the rest of your life is that as the muscles come into balance you have less aches and pains i mean i used to have you know chronic little nagging things that were there for months or years and they have disappeared from my body so um i will be doing it for the rest of my life and there's no point at which doing it is not either safe or an asset to your health yeah, to compare and contrast this, you know, you go into the gym and, you know, the first thing people do is they, they come in and if, if anything, they've got their workout on their phone or they've got a notebook. That's, that's about all the preparation they did. Uh, they're blaring music so they can actually not focus, you know, and then as they get to moving, you're, you're absolutely right. It's like, okay, well, I'm supposed to get three sets of eight with this weight. That's what I came in here to do. And that's what I'm going to do. And when I get those three sets of eight, even if I got all three sets of eight, I'm, I'm done. I finished that set and move on to the next exercise. And a lot of times there really isn't even a whole structure to why they're doing the next exercise. It's just, oh, I'm working chest today. That's another chest exercise. So I'll just go do that one. Uh, the other one is the breath, you know, as we're lifting. And if you're doing three sets of eight, you're, you're told, okay, on, on the eccentric, breathe in, on the concentric, breathe out. And it's just a, you know, just a, like a, an engine, just ch -ch 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 go. And then the other one is failure. And so few people want to work to failure, either because they have the mental concept that failure is a bad thing or because they're afraid of it. And here you're saying, okay, no, we can safely work to failure predominantly because, again, we're going to be focused on working in environments where we are safe. So we're not going to put ourselves under uh, a heavy load of doing bench press and, and try to go two minutes under a bench press unless we have a spotter. But, you know, we're going to use machines. We're going to use resistance bands. We're going to use body weight. We're going to do this in a responsible way. But we can actually use less weight and get stronger, which, again, goes into why it's a lot safer. We're moving a lot slower which again is why it makes it a lot safer. And, and then, yes, at that point, this is something you can keep doing. Um, and that takes me to the next bit of this because I think so many people will, you know, I'll say, hey, I, I, I want you to start doing resistance exercise. And I'm like, oh, my knee. You know, oh, I got this back problem. So I, I really, I, you know, my doctor's telling me not to lift weights, not to do resistance training. And so, you know, as a, as a trainer, typically I'd say, okay, well, let's, let's try to work around those injuries, those issues. Uh, but you brought up a, a thing in the book that I've not seen before, and it's called, uh, I'm going to say it wrong again, uh, biotensegrity. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk about that? Because I, I think that's just one of those things that is never mentioned. Everybody thinks, oh, I'm, I'm bone on bone on my knees. 
So therefore I can't, I can't do resistance training with my legs or my back's going to start hurting me. So I really don't need to have anything I'm doing. That's going to hurt my back. Can you talk about why that's not a problem? Yeah, I mean, with we, um, NSTF. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. We 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 shy away from engaging. There was a the the book talks about a one one study that was done with people with arthritis, and they were encouraged to do strength training. Say it, your knee hurt, you were encouraged to do leg presses, for example, and to tolerate the pain. They they said up to about the level of five out of ten. If it goes above that, back off. And in the course of the study, people got stronger and their pain diminished. And that principle you mentioned, biotensegrity, really explains why that can happen. We, we imagine that the bones are stacked on top of one another in the skeleton, the way you'd you know, build a brick wall, one brick on top of the other. And, and so then, of course, you know, if, if the bricks are rubbing, you, you, you don't want to exacerbate it. But that's not the way the body works. The joints between the bones aren't, aren't in contact with each other unless there's a shock to the system. They are floating. The bones float and they're held in this web of muscle and fascia and and connective tissue and when the muscles are strong and the muscles are balanced the the joints continue to float and it's where the muscles become weak or they're out of balance or there's an injury um, that 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 can be impaired but it's all the more reason then, as, as Andrea was saying, to, to reactivate what muscles have fallen to sleep and strengthen them. And, and I mean, the result, I mean, I, I felt it myself when I talk about my sort of chronic aches and pains disappearing. I know it's because my muscles are stronger and more balanced. Yeah, you know, again, like I said, I get a lot of people that'll say, I can't, I can't, I can't. And <laughs> so you... you you go down this mindset of having a conversation with them of, well, you know, just tell yourself to start, tell yourself to, to do it, you know, the brain telling you to do something, you know, so get a start, do this, you know, that's the big mantra out there. And I'm, but in, in this, when we bring mindfulness into this, and I think that's what I want to wrap up here, at least for today, I want everybody to get this book so they can learn a lot more about this, but we, we have this mindset of the drill instructor in my head telling me to go work out, telling me to do my sets, telling me to push one more rep, telling me to do these things. And, you know, for a lot of people that they actually can get stronger, they push themselves further. Uh, They also have aches and pains and injuries. But when you lean into this, I guess the best way I can say it, and use the term willingness versus willing fullness, Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think as people are looking at this and saying, well, do I really want to, is your body wants to, can you, can you kind of dive into what that's about and what that feels like? Because it's really hard and I have, I'm not even really good at it, getting out of my head and getting into actually enjoying what my body can do. Yeah. And to give some context to that, you know, the, the reaction might be, oh, what's wrong with me? I can't get out of my head. But, but we've, you know, 
thousands of years ago, we actually experienced our thinking in the body and, and most commonly in the belly. We've, you know, we felt ourselves thinking there and now we can't imagine, we can't imagine any other state than thinking in the head. Um, so it's been inculcated within us. We've been trained to think with the head and it's such a wonderful relief to drop out of the head and into the body. And, you know, that, that relationship with the body that we've been trained in is one that leads us to feel victimized by the body and betrayed by the body. And, and um, we want to be in charge of it. And we know what it needs for its own good. And all of that noise overwhelms the body's deepest understanding. So the body, what the body feels is the present. It feels the breeze. It feels the sounds of the world. It feels everything. It vibrates to the present. And to join the body in that way is to join its attunement to the present. And then you discover as the body is taken towards failure, you discover the animal joy of it. You are summoned into life. And that, you know, the, the, the energy of your life is coursing through your being as you are moving this weight and feeling it all. And there, there is no realm of my life in, in my week-to-week -week existence in which I feel more alive than I do doing this workout. And, and because of that, you know, because I've been able to renew my relationship with the body, I look forward to it. I, oh, you know, today's the day I get to go to the gym and come that fully to life. And I mean, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, an imperative in our culture that makes us afraid of life. We, we make ourselves small. We'd rather not feel things in a big way. And here's this realm in which you can do it in complete safety. You can bit by bit allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. And that relationship you have with, with the resistance, with the say it's the plates of the machine, is no longer an adversarial relationship. It is, there is companionship in it, if that doesn't sound too strange. Because here you are no longer in the isolated ego of the self, but you have dilated into the spaciousness of the present and engaged with this weight that is helping you move to the edge you know, it's, a, it's, it's such a, a deep and vivid encounter with the self. Well, Philip, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, certainly what you put into your body. I mean, eating, you know, you, you can't out-exercise a bad diet. Um, Andre, do you have another one? Well, clearly, MSTF, even once weekly. If you can, twice a week, it's amazing, you know, 
even people to come to us twice, even once a week. Uh, as you said, it's hard to believe that you can achieve this transformative benefits in only 30 minutes, but guess what? We've been doing it for eight years. We didn't write the book out of the thin air. It works if you apply this principle correctly. And if you put all the inside-out benefits you get from this style, any style of proper strength training, as long as you're not hurting yourself, is the most powerful, you know, if you put it in a pill, the most powerful help you ever invented. So essentially, it does transform your body and it does work. So that would be my second one, once or twice of proper strength training once a week. And I might, uh, I might say number three for me is, is renewing that relationship with the body to, to uh, drop out of the head and trust the body's intelligence. And, you know, the biological fact is the body processes over a billion times more information than we can be consciously aware of. So to, to decouple from that driving need to control and drop into the present through the body and feel it through the body is to access a grace in your life that carries you forward minute by minute, hour by hour. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, Andre, Philip, if someone wanted to learn more about the book, Deep Fitness, or about your training up there in Toronto, or any other things you've got going on, where would you like for me to send them? Well, the book has its website, deepfitness.life. Uh, it's available on all the major platforms everywhere, North America, Australia, UK, and so on. On our website, newelementtraining.com, we created a video library uh, where we professionally recorded videos of all the exercises that we mentioned in the book. So people, if they needed a bit more help, they want to learn a bit more, they can simply go to newelementtraining.com, go to resources pages, and then have access to the videos as well. And from there, find a way to contact me if they need to you know, have any questions. And I might, I might just add that the book is available as an audio book um, and as an e-book. So it's, it's available on all platforms. And, you know, if people want to find out more about my aspect of MSTF, I've got a website, embodiedpresent.com, that has all kinds of information. And I still, you know, I still actively teach workshops. Uh, and there's a listing of workshops and facilitators trainings there. And in uh, late November, I'll be in Europe. So if any of your listeners are there, I'm in Berlin and Amsterdam and England. Um, please do look me up. Awesome. Well, you can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 512, and I'll be sure to have all those links there. So Andre, Philip, thank you so much for being a part of 40 Plus Fitness. Thanks for having us. It's been just fabulous, Alan. Yeah. Thank you, Alan. It was great. Welcome back, Raz. Hey, Alan. What a great conversation um, and about lifting a little bit slower. It's a nice change of pace. Yeah. You know, the funny, the funny thing about weightlifting is uh, most of what we know is really just based on bro science. It's just, okay, <laughs> well, what did Arnold do to be Arnold? And then what did right. this guy do? And so then, you know, yeah, I grew up in the nineties buying the muscle and fitness and the flex magazines and all that stuff and <laughs> uh, making a wider, uh, very, or weeder, I guess is how they pronounce it, making him very rich. 
um, buying his stuff and then buying supplements that were all in these books and, and doing and trying many of the workouts that are, were in them as well. Um, mm-hmm. And those magazines are still on the shelves and they're still selling. Uh, and so it's just, you, know, you open them up and it's, it's the same workout. It's just a different bodybuilder. These guys followed the science. You know, they've really dove into this. They, they come on the heels of some pretty cool people. Uh, you know, I had uh, Dr. McDuff on the podcast. He was one of my first interviews, one of my really early interviews, episode 43. Wow. Uh, now, I promise if you listen to it, I don't sound the same. I've learned a lot about podcasting in that time, <laughs> uh, but it's a really good book, uh, Body by Science. And it, it was kind of, a, you know, he wrote that with John Little. And when you read through that, it's like, then you start realizing, okay, there's a whole bludgeoning, this whole burgeoning science that's coming out about resistance training. That's not just bro science. It's, it's actual <laughs> people in lab coats testing, mostly college students, but, you know, still testing people and figuring some things out. That was back in 2016. And then, you know, mm-hmm. jump forward a few years and I had John Little on the show with his next book that he came out with, which was the Time Savers Workout. And again, the concept was the same of if you use enough intensity in the exercises, you don't have to necessarily change the number of sets, the number of reps, or even the amount of weight Mm -hmm. to get a more intense workout. You're changing something else that's a big part of the whole process, the volume, and that is time under tension, or as these guys like to say it, time under load. Mm-hmm. And and it it really does make a difference. And um, it's typically not something when I'm training anybody that I, I work with tempo until they've been lifting for a good long time. But the way mm-hmm. these guys structured it, so we're talking about Philip and Andre in their book Deep Fitness and all of these books, all all of them, the way they structure it is in making sure that it's accessible to everybody. It's not just an intermediate or advanced lifting technique that you throw in there to you know, get the muscle to grow even more, it, it becomes a standard of the way you work. That's neat. And I think one of the things that they mentioned too, about being mindful while you're lifting and not distracted by music or chit chat or anything like that. But if you're really paying attention to the muscle that you're trying to work with, you'll feel it if you're thinking about it and focusing on it. And I had mentioned um, not too long ago, I'd read an article about standing with my back against the wall and trying to do a bicep curl. And in doing that, you remove all of the momentum, you move, remove any of the cheating. And I lift pretty light. I I lift a 10 or, or 15 pound weight for a bicep curl. But when I stood against with my back against the wall, there was no cheating and I could barely get that 10 pound weight lifted. It was so different. But what I realized was that I was really relying solely on the bicep to lift that whale, that weight and no helper muscles were involved. It's, it's totally different. So I, I can imagine that if you're really mindful in the moves that you're doing, you would get a bigger impact because you're really using that primary weight and not that, or muscle and not the helper muscles around it. Yeah. You know, there's the two concepts. One is the helper muscles and it's Mm -hmm. really, really hard, uh, particularly if you're standing up and you're trying to do any kind of movement, it's really hard not to shift your body weight and do something that's going to incorporate another muscle. When your brain feels like the muscle you're using, isn't going to be strong enough to do the work. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, anytime someone comes into the gym, it's, it's interesting because they get really excited. We'll do the first day 
and they'll do some weights and we'll say, okay, this is about how strong you are. And they'll do the first workout and it's so hard. And by two weeks, they've, they're, they've increased their, their lifting by 20, 30, 40, sometimes a hundred percent. They're lifting <laughs> twice as much weight as they were on their first wake workout wow. just two through three weeks later. And impressive. you know, well, it is, it's huge, impressive. And they're like, oh my gosh, if this keeps happening, I'm going to be able to lift a truck. And I'm like, that's why <laughs> I said, that's not going to happen because what's happened in that time is your brain actually learned to talk to your muscle. Hmm. You know, if you sit on your butt all day, your brain turns off. It's not having to talk to your, your butt muscles at all. And so, and if you don't do squats, right, it's not talking to the butt at all. And so when you slow down and you start doing exercises the way you're supposed to do them, the brain's like, oh, well, who's that guy? Um, <laughs> you know? and, and literally, then they start having a conversation. And then once they figure it out, it's like, oh, so we need to fire these muscle fibers to make this happen. And then when it gets smart at that, you can just keep adding weight. And then there's a point where it's like, okay, we fired almost all the muscle fibers we're talking to now. Now we've got to incorporate even more or, mm -hmm. and, or we've got to make these muscles stronger and bigger because the mm -hmm. stimulus is more than we can handle, which is another thing about their program is you are going to take this to a failure, a momentary failure, meaning that muscle can't do the work anymore because it's your brain has incorporated every muscle fiber it knows mm -hmm. and they're all firing and that's all you can lift at that point mm -hmm. in time and then you effectively fail and then your your body goes back and says okay give me nutrients give me rest i've got to be stronger next time mm -hmm. and and that's where real strength starts to happen because now your body's saying i have to adapt you've given it everything the stimulus and everything it needs to adapt and by doing it um, in this controlled manner, there's, there's no way for you to change the momentum of it. And there's no way to not fire those muscles. So your brain has to stay focused on that muscle. And it's mm -hmm. one of the things, you know, like people will go do their training. Like I said, I'm going to go for a run. They'll turn on their music mm -hmm. to make the run easier. People will listen to certain music and what's your playlist in the gym yeah. to make the exercise easier. And the reality of it is, is sometimes easier just means that you're not getting as strong as you can. If you're more mindful about the muscles that are supposed to be firing um, and you're firing those muscles maximally as much as you can, you're then creating this huge stimulus that's going to benefit you in, in the end. For sure. Yeah. And the other thing I think I really, really like about this, this process is like I said, I, in the past, I would probably not schedule this for anybody that's, you know, not at an intermediate level, but mm -hmm. the way, way they're looking at it and it makes a ton of sense is, okay, so if I'm going to do three sets of 10 of squats, that's 30 squats. Mm -hmm. Or if I do their method and let's just say, I'm going to do 10 seconds down and I mean, 10 seconds up and 10 seconds down, and I'm only going to get five, and then I fail. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just worked for roughly 100 minutes, I mean, 100 seconds. That's, that's not even two minutes, and my leg workout's over. My, my, my press workout, my leg press is over. So I'm only doing five reps mm -hmm. and not doing 10. I mean, uh, 30. Yeah. So that's my knee. And if you're worried about your knee, that worry goes away. 
Well, that's the interesting thing too, is that instead of doing, you know, a slow motion, like, um, like I learned from NASM to do a, a count of four and then, and then pull it back up for a count of three or four or something to, you know, to me that's slow, but to them, they're talking like 30 seconds and in a move yeah. or something. I can't imagine lowering, for example, the bicep curl again, lowering the curl down for a count of 30 seconds and then trying to bring it back up for 30 seconds, I would be done. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people want to do pull-ups, you know, they'll come to me as a trainer and say, I say, what's, mm -hmm. you know, what are some things you want to do? And like, I, I've always wanted to do a pull-up, you know, like, mm -hmm. I get that a lot. And, and, and I'll tell you how I would typically train someone for pull-ups. You know, we would start out with either a lap machine or we would do some resistance bands or some form of uh, assisted pull-up. And then over time, you take away the assist and they can get stronger. Um, but there's another way to do it once they start getting to the point where they're almost able to do it. And that's where we would incorporate negatives. Okay. Now, uh, as you may recall from the episodes we've talked about, a negative basically means you're doing the eccentric portion of the pull, so of the movement. So in this case, they, I would get them up on a bench or a ladder and I'd say, okay, I want you to put your chest against the bar mm -hmm. and then we remove the ladder. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, slowly lower yourself down. Mm -hmm. And when you get to the bottom, I put the ladder or the bench back under you and say, okay, go back up there, put your chest against the bar. And I pull that ladder away. And now, so normally a person would lower themselves. And at first, if they, if they last five seconds, that's phenomenal. Sure. You know, once I know that they can, they can take like 10 seconds to come down, that person can do a pull up. Wow. <laughs> okay. So if you wanted to get really, really strong at pull-ups, the way Philip would do this is he would climb up and then he would lower himself and he would try to make that lowering portion last 30 seconds. That's incredible. Okay. And then he would try to pull himself up really, really slow. Now, can someone do that 30 seconds, 30 seconds? 30? Maybe, maybe not, you know, but I can mm -hmm. tell you if you can do that, you're, you're just gonna be doing pull-ups like a piston. You know, you won't have any problem at all doing any pull-ups that you want to do. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe you start with the lat pull-down machine and you have someone feed it down to you, mm -hmm. to your chest, and then you just slowly, over a course of 30 seconds, try to bring that bar let up, let it go up. Mm -hmm. Don't let go of it and, and let it go slowly up over 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And then if you need help getting it back down, then let someone help you get it back down and then go again. And that will be giving you a lot of what we're talking about here in that you are putting time under tension or time under load mm -hmm. on that muscle. And it's very, very intense. So this is something you would do probably no more than twice a week. Um, and you're going to feel doms. Uh, just get oh, yeah. ready. <laughs> just get ready. Um, <laughs> you are, there's just no way that you can start this type of program and not have some level of, of doms, but, uh, with everything, you know, this is something about, uh, when they talk about mindfulness, it's just something to realize that we are helping ourselves get stronger. And if you're paying attention to the muscles and the muscles are hurting, uh, that's just feedback. That's just feedback. You got to let that go and, and then get stronger and come back. Well, it looks like something happened to Rachel's connectivity and she fell off the call. So, um, I guess with that, I will call it a show. So I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we discuss surviving potluck and group meals that are so common this time of year. 
Until then, have a happy and healthy week.